Hello, welcome to this bonus episode of the Gentle Rebel podcast, in which I want to kind of explore, share some of the ideas that we're going to be uh, thinking about and looking at in my upcoming Gentle Humdinger workshop. It's the first of these workshops that I've I've run, and I'm really interested to see which ideas kind of resonate with people. And I hope that it will be the first of many, as it brings together a whole bunch of I guess, different areas of interest and experience and expertise and passion that I've developed over the years uh, through creativity and personal development and working with others in in my coaching practice um, and in my life creating music, writing songs um, and, yeah, sound stuff. (laughs) Um, So after, yeah, many years experimenting and playing, I think this is kind of, it, it feels like the most coherent way of drawing it all together. And I'm really excited to see um, how it all goes and to, to play about with it on uh, Saturday, 20th of May, 2023, uh, for the first time. And I want to just use this opportunity to uh, give an overview of, of the kinds of things we'll be exploring and what you can expect to take away from it if you join me. Um, so in a nutshell, I want to use the metaphor of music and of sound as a way to think about the uniqueness of creative spirit in each of us and how, you know, who we are gets influenced, but also sometimes diminished by our relationship with the noise in the world around us and the way that noise can fill us up and also inhibit our ability to express ourselves uh, in the way that we might really love to, that we might really want to. And so my aim is to uh, to help us recognize and release the pressure of the noise wherever it's coming from right now so that we can access our creative spirit and build life in a more meaningful, nourishing and expansive way from the inside out so that it expresses that unique creative spirit. Um, and so we can let go of that uh, constant pursuit of the idea of that thing being found in the world out there um, and allow it to grow from the inside out. Life is like music. I think there's music in everything. Nature sings, it cycles, it plays. Our hearts beat, our lungs breathe in rhythms and measures. And as conscious social beings, the melody of humanity dances through language, creativity and emotional experience. Your tune plays through and within you. But there are so many things that can prevent us from expressing and hearing our sound. And so in this episode, I'm going to introduce some of those things and consider ways that we might open space for our unique creative spirit to begin to express itself within and beneath what can often feel like that ocean of noise. What makes a piece of music what it is? Why is a song itself and not another song? It sound like a strange question, but it's one I'm fascinated by. Uh, it's one I've always thought about in my own songwriting. You know, at what point does an idea become the same song it ends up as, you know, when it's finally released? My phone is full of voice memos with ideas for songs. Some are, are just little chord progressions. There might be uh, little melody ideas, uh, l- lyrics, like all sorts of different ways that or different things that I capture when I'm uh, yeah out and about or just kind of noodling around um, in, a, in a, a kind of songwriting session. But even with a few notes and minimal obvious kind of crossover, the essence of the song is often there. I know it's one song and not another. 
It's amazing how we can recognize music that we know intuitively, sometimes just from a sound or even someone whistling a part of its melody. It's like, oh, are you whistling whatever it is? There's so much more to a piece of music than we could ever describe in language that we could ever put into words. And I think it's the same with people as well. You know, we all have a sound. Our life is music. We recognize a piece of music by things like its arrangement, certain motifs, melodies. A piece of music establishes certain ideas early on, which then come back in different ways throughout. We might hear hints in the main melody from the start, which then might build to a crescendo later on. It might reach this point of climax where it's like, yes, there it is. That's the, you know, the motif expressing itself in its purest sense. Tunes are hinted at, inverted, played with throughout a piece of music. But there's a coherence that tells us that we're in it. And such is life. Certain aspects of our symphony, our song are set early. Some are influenced by factors of genetics, you know, the instruments that are at our disposal. While the music itself, in its melodies, its harmonies, its rhythms, they kind of land as we're setting up. The life script is established in our early years. Motifs that will underpin in some way, influence the rest of our life. Not determine and define it, but certainly inspire it. Give it a sense of structure, a sense of sound. Um, as we get older and move through life. And like us, music exists in the physical realm. It's impacted by its environment. It sounds different in different places. It's better suited to some places than others. And so we're going to hold this in mind as we explore ideas around where and how our creative spirit expresses itself best or most organically, most naturally. A piece of music that is intricate and nuanced and fragile, requiring kind of really, really acute listening conditions, headphones or a perfectly set up home or studio sound system. That is different from other music, which is maybe best suited to a big crowd or a huge live PA system where you you can't notice the fine, fragile details and you don't need to. What does your life sound like? I wonder if you can answer that question. Are you trying to make your sound in an unsuitable environment? Are you trying to change your sound to suit the environment? Are you making your sound unaware of the fact that there are better places for it to take root? Better ways to express it? Is it lost, drowned out by the noise of life? We're going to hold these questions in mind as we go. As I say, if you'd like to join me and a small group of other like-spirited people on Saturday, the 20th of May, 2023, then go to andymort.com slash humdinger. I'll pop a link in the show notes too. Um, And yeah, we'll kind of explore this stuff together and and work out what it means uh, for you personally. And um, yeah, if you've got any questions uh, ahead of that, get in touch via the website as well or send me an email so if you've ever been ill i'm sure you've been ill at some point in your life 
You probably know the feeling of noise that I'm talking about in this series. Noise is a disturbance. It's discomfort, disagreeable sensory quarrel. You know, that sense of oh, things just aren't quite right <laughs> within. Uh, the word's origins are disputed. The word noise um, it might come from the Latin root uh, of noxia. So maybe like noxious or it might be nausea. So like it impacts us in a way that uh, causes sickness, dizziness, uh, you know, that sense of uh, <laughs> inner head mush. It's got an impact on our sense of okayness with the world and it changes everything. We experience the world in different ways when we are under the spell of noise, when we're seeing it through noise. It impacts our decisions. It uh, impacts our ability to focus and our connection with deeper motivations and values. It becomes the filter through which we experience life and it becomes this thing that basically un- defines our, our motives in the moment. We more or less either see everything clouded by noise or we're um, kind of focused on eradicating the noise. I think a lot about um, sound and its impact on our experience of things. You know, I'm a musician and a songwriter. It's always fascinated me how much um, mood and meaning is impacted by its soundtrack. In the world of TV and film, very uh, stark example, sound design is a huge part of production and can make or break the viewing experience it can completely transform the emotion within the viewer Um, and if you've you know ever watched a a horror film with the sound off you realize it doesn't have quite the same fear inducing uh, you know effect when you do that as an undertaker i saw the impact of all sorts of different types of music in the context of funerals you know it can lighten it can intensify it can bring people together It can make people laugh. It can make people cry. It can give space for reflection. Music can literally change how we feel. It impacts what we think and it can lead to different behavioral responses. Advertisers know this too. They use music and sound as a catalyst for uh, creating consumer action. Do we want people to feel good about themselves so they'll spend money on pleasurable rewards? Do we want people to feel moved and sad about a situation so they'll give money to this cause? Do we want people to feel aspirational, hopeful, so they'll invest in things that promise a better future? Sound can be used to manipulate us into taking action. Sometimes we're unaware that this is being done to us. That's not to say it's always used in a manipulative way. It can enhance, it can assist. And I think that's really the the focus that I want to uh, give to when we're making conscious and intentional choices about the soundtrack that we are uh, living with. As a coach, I'm fascinated by the soundtracks that we all carry around with us in our bodies, in our minds. I believe there is this creative spirit in each of us, a unique and playful sound that drives us on with curiosity, adventure and joy. It's that sense of, oh, what if expansive, creative playfulness inside us. But that's not always easy to reach. It gets drowned out by this ocean of noise. The soundtrack that plays in our mind might reflect these other influences, these other voices in the world around us, things that actually aren't ours, but feel like they infect and infuse everything 
all our choices, all our actions. I remember speaking with a colleague about a news story that I thought was really quite impossible to interpret any other way except what seemed quite clear cut to me. I was like, well, there's only one way of kind of considering that, of thinking about that. But he'd read it in a totally different way to me. I was like, you've you've kind of heard these words and you've interpreted them in the absolute opposite way that I have. I think it was like a politician's words. Um, And I'd assumed it meant one thing and he was like, yeah, that, me- that obviously means this. I was like, oh, that's really, really interesting. And it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, you know, how could the same thing be heard in such starkly different ways? Who was right? How had he come to this conclusion? And I'd come to mine and like, you know, come to completely opposite ways of landing on this, um, on this situation. Of course, I thought, you know, mine's right because I'm a completely rational human who sees things totally objectively. (laughs) Uh, No. Um, But this started me off on a bit of a quest to explore the idea of noise, the soundtrack, the way that we, um, you know, the the impact, I guess, this has on the way that we see and judge and experience the world around us. The thing that is talking to us and through us that means that we can see things so radically differently to other people. You know, what's going on in me that means I experienced this in this way and in that person to mean that they experience it in that way. You know, have you ever received someone's words completely differently to how they intended them? Maybe you managed to turn a compliment into an insult. Perhaps you've you've had that done to you where uh, you've said something to someone and and they've like taken the words and and turned them around and been offended by what you said. Might sometimes do that as a joke, but it happens a lot when we interpret someone's attempt at connection and maybe encouragement and compliment as a slap around the face. (laughs) Again, how can we hear someone say the same thing in such a different way. And it can easily happen uh, with the written word, especially because when we read, we aren't aware of any sort of stresses and an emphasis within the sentence. I might say, I like what you created here when I see what you've made. That's positive encouragement. I intend that as a compliment, right? <laughs> How can it be offensive? As the person who created the thing, what do we hear? I think we can hear a bunch of things. I've just got a small number of ways of interpreting this uh, through different lenses, depending on what we're hearing inside us. Um, There there are probably other ways that you you might hear it. So if the emphasis is on I, I like what you created here. Oh, does that mean someone else doesn't? I like what you created here. You like it, but you don't love it. What's wrong with it? (laughs) I like what you created here. Oh, but you don't like how I created it or why I created it? I like what you created here. Oh, but does that mean you think I copied most of it? I like what you created here, but you don't think I created enough. I like what you created here, but not everywhere else. I'm fascinated by critical noise in this way because it can impact our relationship with creativity in really profound ways and ways that I think it affects different people. And you can't necessarily um, kind of assume or predict how it's going to land 
uh, in the mind of somebody else. There's something about the vulnerability of the creative act, doing something risky, putting part of ourselves out there that makes us, I think, even more susceptible to receive the words of other people through a cloud of noise, a cloud of negative, potentially negative noise that we, um, yeah, cloak the, the compliment, cloak the encouragement in. You'll know this if you've ever felt um, devastated after receiving an email that, that seems really damning of something that you've done, only to go back later and reread it and realize, actually, it's not that bad. <laughs> um, the timing of feedback, I think, is very important. The moment, for example, I come off stage after a performance, the only thing I want to hear is, well done. You know, I don't want to uh, talk about the performance or receive any feedback beyond the pure, pure encouragement because I guess my aperture is wide open. Anything that gets said is going to be amplified tenfold and it can often, um, yeah, land in, a, uh, in a, a really negative way for me. You know, there's time later on where I can reflect on, you know, what I want to take from a performance, improvements I can make, um, and I'm very open for listening to uh, constructive feedback in that sense. Um, but the noise post-performance is a completely inappropriate soundtrack to work with at that time. Maybe you can think of similar times for you when you're just simply not in the frame of mind to hear people's thoughts. <laughs> and this is really important data. It's really important stuff to be aware of and to acknowledge and to, uh, to, to use in your own life. We can use these ob observations to create conditions for, uh, for meaningful growth and for uh, sustainable uh, creative action, because these can be like absolutely devastatingly derailing experiences if we hear these comments and uh, the, engage in feedback at the wrong time. Another thing noise influences is the story that we tell ourselves about the world and the way that story reinforces more of the same. This can result in a feedback loop that leaves us believing that the way things are are the way things are because we believe it's how things are. You'll recognize this if you ever, you know, got into a debate with somebody online, for example. You might have wanted to shut down the noise of their argument and in so doing created noise to counteract it. The noise sustains the noise that we keep railing against. But like the old adage that we're not stuck in traffic, we are traffic. If we can recognize the part that we're playing in the noise loop, we can begin to find a way out of it or at least a more empowered position within its structure, recognizing that noise can't be extinguished by noise. When we uh, anticipate things, we are often more likely to see them. If we partake in a seance, for example, we're primed to hear every sound, every movement, uh, every, and feel every change as evidence of a ghost, uh, I would imagine. I've never done a seance, but I would imagine I would be primed uh, to, to interpret everything in, the, uh, in my sensory environment as evidence of this thing that I'm conjuring. The soundtrack that underpins our experience prepares us to observe and encounter the world in a particular way. If we go into a situation with um, particular expectations, we're going to unconsciously scour the environment for things that support the story that we're telling us, ourselves. When we meet new people, our first impression of them is heavily predetermined by our expectations of uh, what we're going to 
encounter when we meet them? You know, who did we anticipate we would meet here in this particular place? What kind of people did we expect? Okay, we're going to assume that this person that we're meeting is that kind of person. So we're going to uh, treat them as such. And so this person will either confirm or go against that um, predetermined expectation. So we don't see them as they are. We see them in relation to our expectations. That is a kind of noise, a filter through which we encounter the world. We can think about the genre of movie that we are operating in. When we're in a comedy, we're ready to laugh. When we're in a horror, we're ready to jump. When we're in an action movie, we're ready to run or fight. This is true when we're watching television and films, you know, the, when you're kind of there watching a, an action movie, you're, you're sort of like amped up in that way. And there's an amazing exa- example of this where somebody has taken scenes from uh, Breaking Bad. I'm sure people have done it with all sorts of things. Um, you may well have seen this. They've turned Breaking Bad into a sitcom. Uh, they've added sitcom style music, a laughter track and some classic comedy scene transitional wipes sounds between scenes um everything else is is exactly the same and yet the sound changes the mood completely the threatening intimidating scene where uh, walt threatens to uh, i think he's like threatening to kill ted becomes a farcical slapstick scene that could be from arrested development or curb your enthusiasm or something And it highlights actually the comedy in Breaking Bad itself. So it kind of highlights the comedy writing in that in that show um, in quite a profound way. But it also shows that when we're anticipating a certain feeling, when we're anticipating uh, feeling a certain way as we encounter something, um, that's actually what we're going to that's how we're going to receive and interpret um, the thing that we're encountering. We're going to see it through that lens uh, without realizing actually there are other ways of experiencing the world right at our fingertips there are other ways of seeing this thing here we could, there is a there's a comedy going on here but actually if we're watching in the original we're probably well we might find some comedy aspects in it it's not being seen as a fully comedy um a full sitcom experience so how do some people seem to just allow things to wash over them while other people in the same situation react as if the world's about to end. I think this kind of gives us an indication of how that happens. The soundtrack in our minds dictates and influences um, the way that we experience situations, the way we interpret things, the way we then respond and act in accordance with them. This happens with the interpretation of things like photographs as well. You know, what's going on in this photo? Depends what you want to see <laughs> a lot of the time. Things like facial expressions are huge for this. They might tell us actually what we feel about the situation more than what the subject in the photo is feeling. All we have is a, an interpretation of what the f- subject in the photo is feeling. Um, and an example might be like someone smiling when we're disappointed, especially if like it might be a, a picture from a, a sports event and maybe someone from the other team is smiling um, and we're disappointed. So we might filter that, interpret their smile as, as obnoxious and disrespectful. Whereas someone's smiling in exactly the same way when we're happy, or maybe they're on our team, is interpreted as 
empathic, you know, someone who gets it, someone who feels uh, something real. And we also come to situations with the baggage of experience, places like this, people that look this, this way who you've met before. They remind me of such and such a person. So therefore, we might treat them in that way. And that might be a positive thing. It might be a negative thing. Um, these are natural tools that we use to create pathways for our brain to navigate and understand the world, to compartmentalize things, to, to you know, schematize stuff. So that it's like, okay, I don't have to overthink that. I'm going to place that in that and I'm going to treat it as such. But when we let these, um, these constructs, these frameworks run the emotional soundtrack, we can lose our, uh, our sense of place in the situation. We fill in the gaps between what we see and the silence between the sounds um, and actually what is, what is real, what is right in front of us. You know, empathic listening, true empathetic listening is really difficult. When we don't seek to listen to what is actually being said and then respond accordingly or kind of ask more questions to, like, is this what you mean? Like, this is what I'm hearing. When we don't do that, we, we can get into trouble. When we assume that somebody else has heard exactly what we intended or what we thought we were actually saying, and we react to them not understanding it or them misinterpreting it, then uh, we're going to get into trouble. Wars have started over this kind of thing. It matters. We, I don't think we can ever clarify too much or ask for enough clarity from other people without you know, if we're making assumptions. And finally, there's an impact of noise in our decision-making. You know, if you've ever made a big decision in the midst of a noisy moment, you've probably come to regret it later, or at least wish you'd put more space in there, approached it slightly differently. When we're in the noise, whether it's emotional, uh, you know, dysregulation or a particularly emotionally, emotionally charged moment, might be fear, overwhelm, a hangover, stress. The decision is usually about eradicating the immediate experience of, of noise or lessening the impact of this, this noise that is filling us up. And so it can lead to an impulsive decision. I'm quitting. I'm never doing anything like this again. I need to buy a new car. <laughs> I'm buying a wireless in-ear monitoring system. That last one, experience for me. Uh, I know it's quite niche, but I had this in the, in the noisy aftermath of a gig many years ago that didn't go well. Um, and it was just a really terrible uh, experience. And I got home after this gig late at night and started shopping. Uh, I didn't have another gig for a few weeks, but rather than doing the sensible thing and, and just letting that noise sort of settle down and, you know, seeing the cold light of day the next morning, sleeping on it. I acted from in the midst of that cloud and ended up, um, yeah, buying this ridiculous system uh, and then sending the whole thing back when I had assessed the situation uh, in the morning or when it arrived. <laughs> I was like, why did I do this? Um, the bad gig wasn't my fault. It was an issue outside of my control and it really sucked and it was awful. But that's all it was. I needed that voice, my quiet inner calm to help me look at things in a more sensible way um, and to assess the situation and to make that decision of how I would respond, how I would act um, 
as a result of, you know, connecting with that, <laughs> the, the inner calm in me, uh, not directly within the noise itself. Unfortunately, when, once I found that inner calm, I'd already hit purchase. So that voice had to help me repackage it all and, and send it back a few days later. Um, not too bad a situation. It was redeemable. It, like I, I got a full refund. Like there are times where we act within noise that are less uh, redeemable. There are things that we might regret a lot more um, if they have an impact on um, other people, for example, or uh, yeah, any uh, kind of life changing decision that we make within a noisy situation. And there are times when the ocean of noise is right up at our city walls, the waves are crashing against us, and we just actually need to take that moment, strap in, and wait it out. You know, there will come a time. In the morning, the tide will retreat. We can walk on the sand again. It's easier to find shells and interesting morsels that the ocean provides once the tide goes out and we're able to see the the bed of sand beneath our feet rather than trying to pick things up when the waves are smashing us in the face. Um, don't know where that metaphor fits, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but that's what noise does, isn't it? And so the next question that we're going to be thinking about is, where does our soundtrack come from? In all its helping and hindering, what are the sources of noise in and around our lives? And how uh, do we distinguish between a sound that, that resonates, a sound that actually, you know, this is part of me, this is my creative spirit, and a sound that derails us, a sound that isn't us, a sound that's coming from someone else, somewhere else. Um, some other experience, some other person, uh, maybe a, a way to respond or react to stress um, that we've picked up through our lives that becomes a sound that travels with us, but actually isn't that much part of how we want to express ourselves. It's not our creative spirit. So as I say, we're going to be thinking about all of this in, in the Half Day Gentle Humdinger workshop. Uh, we're going to be exploring the soundtracks that we all carry in our bodies and our minds. Uh, we're going to take uh, practical steps to connect with that creative spirit that each of us has within us. Um, you know, that use, unique and playful sound that drives us with uh, curiosity, adventure and joy. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, seeing how it goes, doing this for the first time. Uh, on the 20th of May. Uh, and yeah, building it from there. As I say, I, I want to have in mind that this is going to be something that we, that I, I kind of run a few times um, into the future. And so this is a, a first uh, foray into it uh, on the 20th of May, 2023. So if you'd like to be part of that, part of shaping it, part of responding to it with me um, on in that event, then please do check out the link in the show notes. Go to andymort.com forward slash humdinger. Um, I'm running it the same day that I'm releasing my next single as well, which is called Raise a Glass. Um, and so I'm going to be doing a, a live stream gig after the workshop um, as well. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a day of music and a day of sound and a day of uh, play and exploration and fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it.
So let's get on to that second question. As we discussed before, our lives are soundtracked. Our thoughts, our emotions, our actions are influenced by the relationship between the noise of the world around us and the way that we uh, absorb it within, the way that we hear it, the way that we hold it. Our natural sound, our voice, our creative spirit can become lost within the chaos of the world, the demands, the expectations, the assumptions that we accept and amplify, maybe without much thought. But where specifically do these elements of the ocean of noise come from? What are some of the component parts that leave us unable to see the wood for the trees in this way? Overwhelmed, burned out, operating in a chronic state of uh, stress. There are some obvious places that we can point to, you know, external sources of noise like the news, uh, the media, information overload, an unending and unresolved source of instant information that comes to us from all over the world immediately. And I don't think the, the impact of this, it can't be overstated. We're not wired to hold the noise that we hold in our modern world in the way that we are expected to do so. You know, there are studies that indicate we've got similar responses in certain parts of the brain to uh, news about traumatic events and, you know, horrible situations. And we, we react in the same way as if we're witnessing them firsthand except we have no control. There's nothing that we can do to actively uh, help, to actively react to that situation. Compassion fatigue and odierism, where we lose the capacity to care about things that we see on our screens, isn't the result of not having enough compassion. It's the result of having too much in our body shutting down to protect us from the over overwhelming reality of trying to hold it all. Noise is stimulation without clarity and resolution. And the news is exactly that, a flow of bad things that we can never, that we never see resolution to. All these things that we're fed and then it's, it disappears, but we're left holding onto it within our minds, within our bodies. During times like those that we're living through right now, this feels really amplified, way beyond our ability to, to hold it and cope with it. Other external sources of noise come from uh, pressures to do certain things, you know, fashions and fads, keeping up with life. In particular, fields, we might feel like, oh, there's so much going on. I need to keep on top of all of this. You know, I need to stay in the loop and make sure that I know about everything. And so that the modern world runs at this ever increasing pace with this stuff. New innovations, new ideas constantly circulating as information outlets are, are desperate to keep ahead of the curve, feed us more things and find the next big thing before anybody else. And this, I mean, this leads to the pressure to believe in this kind of reality being the way life has to be. So like the next big thing is, is really important. Why is that important? Why is it important to, you know, be that next big thing? Well, because we decided it is. <laughs> uh, so this, I think, is one of the big bridges that leads from external to internal noise in life. We might think of toxic positivity as the pressure to be positive, even in objectively terrible circumstances. You know, it's talked about as the pressure to only display positive emotions, kind of parking or suppressing negative emotions. Don't talk about it in that way. Put a positive spin on it. You know, real feelings genuine reactions 
uh, our gen our authentic experiences are, are therefore kind of shoved to the side and it's like no don't look at it like that you know don't bring don't bring me problems bring me solutions and um studies show that th- this actually leads to isolation and more loneliness and depression um and th- you know this is certainly one side of uh, toxic positivity as as a concept the ironic way that prohibition of negative or real emotions and thoughts actually leads to more misery. It leads to the opposite of the thing that we think we're trying to cultivate by doing it. But there's another side to it, which is one that I don't think gets talked about certainly as much. Um, I rarely hear it talked about. Positivity as a structure um, and story attached to our understanding of ourselves as individuals, our potentials, our uh, possibilities and our place in the world. Um, It's the toxic lie of limitless and groundless positivity in a finite world. It's the message that we can do anything, we can be anyone, we can uncover our unlimited potential if we allow ourselves to do so. We just have to uh, work harder, do more, experience everything and know ourselves. And we've sort of moved into this age of achievement society entrepreneurs of the self selling our message in a world of unlimited can impossible is nothing just do it and no is just another step on the road to success and this noise is the sound of humanity waging war on itself and we feel it inside us this is what builds within this overwhelming impending burnout the pressure to keep working the nagging feeling that while we rest, somebody else is getting ahead. But as we wage this war, we're destroying ourselves and we're creating the conditions for others to do the same, planting those same expectations on other people. The noise is so far away from the expansive, playful, beautiful sound that sits within us, the sound of joy, connection, laughter, meaning the creativity, the adventure, the curiosity. It's replaced by the drive, the injunction to produce, to be useful, to prove ourselves, to earn our worth. We've become disconnected from the quiet sound of our unique creative spirit because we've come to believe that it's something that we've got to forage for to find out there rather than something actually we need to make the space for to connect with in here. It's drowned out by the noise and yet we add more noise in an effort to find our way to it because we believe it's something that we uncover, discover and create over there. So we add clutter. We do courses, read books, go on retreats, buy more products that promise to bring us to a place of wholeness and completeness. And yet, while we might get a little dopamine hit for a moment or two, it never lasts. That ache returns, the noise gets louder and the feeling of foggy uncertainty takes back control. Our sound speaks quietly through everything that we do. It's not found by getting the perfect job, finding the perfect partner, buying the perfect product, car or home. It's how we pick up the things in our lives, how we hold those around us, how we go about our tasks 
and approach the responsibilities and endeavours that stand before us. Noise is the voice that tells us we're not enough. We're not good enough. We don't have enough. It's complexity in the face of simplicity. Noise is sensory stimulation. As said before, noise is like overwhelm and the pounding throb of a hangover when you can't focus. It becomes the filter through which we experience everything. Financial worries, relationship stresses, shame, dissatisfaction, anxiety and so on. When the noise takes over, we see the world from within the cloud of that thing and the world looks back at us through that same cloud. It feels real, and in many ways it is. So we respond to it like it is. And the feedback loop kicks in. Maybe we lash out, run away, make impulse purchases, shoot our mouth off, wallow in self-pity, gossip with others, get cynical, withdraw from the world. But the waves, the ocean of noise, keep crashing at the door. And we try fighting this impossible fight. And when we do so, there's only one winner between us and that ocean of noise. But it eventually retreats when we surrender, when we allow it, when we let go, when we acknowledge. The waves of noise come through the voices we pick up along the way. Our inner critic might take the shape of identifiable people that we've internalised through our life. A parent, a teacher, family member, friend, stranger who said the wrong thing at the perfect time for a cold bucket of water to pour all over our creative spirit. It might be a particular message whenever we try to do something meaningful or vulnerable that just comes flowing straight back into our minds. You don't deserve to be here. Who do you think you are? Are you going to embarrass yourself? Look around you. Everyone else is so much better than you. Hey, when people find out the truth, you're going to wish you were never born, and so on. There's also the noise of injunctions that put conditions on our self-worth and value. You've got to do this in order to be worthy of acceptance and belonging. Be good, be nice, be strong, be ruthless. And as we explored in the previous part, past experiences can create noise for us as well, soundtracking the present with the baggage of what has been before. Sometimes our natural sound, our creative spirit, gets lost within the noise. We get swept up in the waves of this ocean to the point where we lose what matters most to us. We get disconnected from our way of seeing and valuing things. Our rhythms and preferences get replaced by those of other people, by those of society at large. We're not the only ones flailing around in this ocean of noise, though. (laughs) It feels lonely, doesn't it? It can feel like we're the only ones dealing with this stuff. But it's the case for so many people. And while we might feel alone in the struggles that we experience, we can be assured that by taking steps to let the waves pass so that we can go back down and walk on the sand again, others are longing for the same too. When we connect with our creative spirit, we connect with the creative spirits in the world around us. Other people's creative spirit is sparked back to life as well. 
And so in the third part of this exploration, I want to think about how we come back to our sound within the noise, how we go back down onto the sand, connect with the creative spirit in us, the creative spirits around us. How do we accept ourselves at the level of being and locate our natural melody and rhythm so that our life makes its unique sound, no matter where we are, no matter how we're doing, no matter what we're faced with, that it comes from the inside out. It's not something dependent on the world out there. Again, this is stuff that we're going to be exploring in the Half Day Gentle Humdinger workshop. And we're going to identify some of the sources of the most derailing and disturbing noise when it comes to our relationship with that creative spirit, with that voice inside us, that quiet sense of what it means to be us. And we're going to be thinking about how to step beyond it without contributing to it and change the soundtrack that's playing so that we can build life on a meaningful and resonant foundation. So say, check out the link in the show notes to learn more. Just go to andymort.com slash humdinger. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to email me or send me a message through the website. Right, so we've thought about the impact of noise on our ability to connect with ourselves and with one another. We've considered some of the sources of noise and feedback loops in our life. And now I'd love to finish by exploring the sound within us, the creative spirit, the natural voice that speaks in unique ways and isn't always easy to hear, especially when the environment is inappropriate or hostile to it. So I think we're going to approach this from two angles. You know, what does your music sound like <laughs> and what does your sound need in order to um, to flourish or to, to exist, to be itself. So let's start with your sound. You know, if somebody you know well, somebody who you have a positive relationship with was to describe you, you know, the essence of you, the character, what words would they use? What role do you tend to play in relationships, maybe in your friendships, in a social group? Maybe you play a different role in different environments in different uh, contexts or maybe you seem to play the same role in whatever relationship you find yourself in does that feel like you or is it a role that you've learned to play how would you like people to describe you maybe your presence within a group within a relationship how would you like people to receive you? How would you like people to feel as a result of spending time with you? And then how would you like people to describe you, not just in terms of social characteristics, but how you choose to live, the things that matter to you, the way your life uh, reflects and expresses the stuff that is important to you? What would people say is important to you? Again, these are questions to just hold, to reflect on as you begin to think about your relationship with the noise. Think about your creative spirit, the thing that is in you that makes you you. How does the inner noise influence the sound that you make with your life? How much does the sound that comes through your life feel like your own? And out of those words, 
that you imagine or you know people use to describe you, which are the traits you like? Yeah, I want to step into that. I want to be more of that. I want the courage to really own those things. And then which ones feel like, actually, they don't fit. They're not the things that feel like me. When you think about who you are beneath the noise, what actually contributes to that noise? The roles that you feel like you have to play, the uh, injunctions or the voices that you respond to and, and you obey and try to appease and please. What would you like people to be saying? So your sound is your creative spirit. It's your connection with life. It's what matters to you. It's what evokes a sense of purpose and emotion in you. We talked about the noise of anticipation and how our experience of the world is often a reflection of how we anticipate things to be. We thought about the impact of genres on our experience of TV and film and other uh, kinds of art. And if your life was a movie right now, what genre would it be? <laughs> and is that impacting your way of experiencing things? Has it got a laughter soundtrack? Has it got an impending horror drone? Has everything become a horror show, a farcical sitcom, an action movie? If you've ever been in one of those situations where it seems like, you know, it's just one thing happening after another, where it's like, can anything get any worse here? This is ridiculous. Things start to become funny, don't they? That soundtrack almost begins to take root and you can hear it. You can hear the laughter track. You can hear the absurdity of it all. And you begin to hold it with a, a sense of like, this is just farcical nonsense, but it's, it's somehow become funny. What's the soundtrack playing for you right now? What genre would you like it to be? When you think about those natural traits and characteristics that, you know, feel like you, that feel like that, yeah, they reflect my creative spirit. They reflect my sense of who I am and what I value and what I think about things and the world and the sort of world that I'd like to be part of creating. You know, what sort of movie does that sound like a character in? <laughs> what sort of movie is that person in? Um, what type of movie inspires you personally? If you feel inspired when you, you know, get to be, I don't know, an action hero, probably going to feel frustrated stuck in a small town sitcom unless there's some unexpected inciting incident that allows you to step up and get active you know, about hot fuzz um, <laughs> would be a good example of, of that, those things melding together. And, and that, that is possible. Likewise, if you're a naturally peaceful soul who enjoys, you know, just pottering around and, you know, you don't like too much drama in your life, you find magic in small things then you probably don't want to be stuck in the middle of a horror movie. <laughs> genres make sounds. We can often recognise what genre something is by the music, by what we hear. This music is noise when it jars, when it doesn't fit properly. If you were to pick some music to soundtrack you and the life that you're wanting to create, what would be a good soundtrack for it? Maybe do that, like literally create a playlist or choose a piece of music that fits. And ask yourself, what is it about this music that, that reflects me, that reflects my desires, my dreams? What does it say about my life? 
they say about who I am. Creative spirit is a connector. It's not something we find out there. It's something that grows from the inside out as we piece together the thorns that we catch our sleeve on in the world around us. We've been trained to believe that passion and purpose are things, you know, get the the perfect dream job, buy this product, you know, fit into your identity and so on. That who we are is, is some kind of idealized form that exists in the ether and our task in life is to uncover it, to find it and so on. Now, I think our sound is simpler than that. But it's also harder because it requires a, a gentle rebellion against the temptation of quick fixes and consumer solutions. It requires us to admit our humanness, to reject that groundless, infinite option of toxic positivity, and to realise that who we are is with us now. It's in the choices that we make. It's in the notes that we play as we move through our day. It's the words we speak, the way we greet one another. It's the choices that we make. It's not something that we will hopefully find by uncover tomorrow. It's here right now. Life is music and we're in the middle of it. People go away from encounters with us, humming the tune. We leave a note in the ear of others in the same way they leave a note in our ear. Maybe you can think of someone who always leaves you humming a positive tune, someone that you love spending time with because you just you feel energised in some way. You feel like there's something about that encounter that just sparks you to life. And maybe you also know people who have the opposite effect, leave you disconnected from your creative spirit, leave you with a, a heavy sound, a sound that just does not resonate with your sound. We remember how people make us feel. This goes beyond their words and their actions. It transcends the particular things they might say and do. It leaves an emotional residue. The song that they sing, the taste they leave in our mouths as we hum it, as we sing their song. It's like, oh, doesn't taste very nice. Or maybe it tastes lovely. Everyone has a soundtrack playing in their body and mind. Everyone plays a tune that the world hears. People will forget what we said. They will forget what we did. But they will have an imprint left upon them. In the way that they are left feeling about themselves. In the same way, there's an imprint left by every encounter that we have with the world, with other people. The imprint in the way that we feel about ourselves, the thing that we carry with us. Creative spirit is the tune that we inspires, inspire others to hum. And it's influenced and inspired by the tunes that resonate with us, that we encounter in others. It moves from the individual to the community and becomes the symphony of society. Where do you make your natural sound? Where do you feel at home in your creative spirit? What do you have around you when that happens? Who brings it out of you? You know, the conditions in our environment are vital when it comes to this stuff. If we're playing a delicate folk song to a room of 
drunken people wanting to party on New Year's Eve, it might jar a bit. It might hurt. We're not going to get listened to. We're not going to be able to hear ourselves. If we're wanting to get the party started with some euphoric trance music, but we're at a local village barn dance or something, uh, then that might not go so well. We're not here to play our sound to all people in all places. But there are environments where our sound resonates beautifully. We can create those spaces. We can borrow them, lend them, notice them, share them, hold them with reverence and gratitude. Just like music is subjective. Different people like different styles and find particular artists resonate more than others. It connects with us in a certain time, in a certain space. Music is part of our formation. When we're growing up, we think fondly of the music that was there, that soundtracked our lives. It's the same with all things. Not everything is for everyone in all places. Hold lightly. Be ready to let go. Be ready to hold space when the magic happens. Don't take it personally when it doesn't. Find environments where your sound resonates. When creative spirit finds its creative space, anything is possible. These are moments, gifts that arrive and then move on like vapour in the air. Don't hold on. They cannot be clung to. They cannot be returned to. But there will be more. As long as there is life, there is creative spirit wanting to be spoken, to be sung, to be expressed. Music is a journey. Its purpose is not to arrive at a destination. It's to speak into the here and now. It's supposed to make us feel. Because feeling is what reminds us we're alive. Those emotions can be experienced as gifts at times. It's beautiful to cry. I love that feeling. It's weird. It's unnerving. It's a confrontation with what is real. Things so beautiful, they hurt. Things so painful, they open space for beauty and connection. It's been said in better ways by other people throughout history, but I want to remind and reassure that despite the desire in part of us and maybe the message we receive within that ocean of noise in the world out there, we definitely shouldn't want to stop feeling bad things or those things that we deem to be bad things. And we can strive for excellence in what we do, but not perfection. For perfection is a curse we put upon ourselves and one another. It's what drives authoritarian ideologues and totalitarian dictators. It skins us of our humanity, destroys what makes us profoundly incredible creatures, and turns us into robots in a system of streamlined, fat-free, coke-zero nothingness. Creativity is a beautiful excess. It's what brings meaning and purpose to the angst of existence. We play games, paint pictures, sing songs, invest our energy in sport, waste time on purposeless pursuits like art and music itself. Because we're idiots? No. Because they'll make us money? No. Quite the opposite. Because we're not idiots. And we understand that the beauty of life is about so, so, so much more than efficiency, utilitarianism, productivity. It's about us doing this thing together, making space for joy, not despite life's pain, but within it. Our sound is what we find when our lives connect. 
when we experience what it means to be alive beneath the ocean of urgency and noise in a world that values such trivial and inhumane things. It's the sound of gentle rebellion and a cheeky no to the opportunity of a lifetime that's only a no-brainer to other people. It's saying yes to the thing that gives no return on your investment. It's about listening, seeing and laughing with one another, noticing, observing and crying together. It's about resting, slowing down and embracing the joy of missing out on the thing that everybody else is doing. Sure, they'll tell us about it later anyway. So if you'd like to explore what this stuff means for you personally, I would love to hang out at the Gentle Humdinger Workshop. Very first one happening, as I say, on May the 20th, Saturday, May the 20th um, at 2 p.m. UK time. Um, It's a four-hour event, half a day online event, um, and I'm going to be sharing lots of examples of ways that sound impacts our feelings um, and ways of uh, seeing and experiencing and encountering the world and one another. And we will use this as a a chance to explore the noise in our lives and get beneath it to that place where we can really encounter and experience the creative spirit beneath within us, the voice, Um, you know, and then what might we do with that creative voice? How do we move through the noisy world without adding noise to it? How do we connect with our creative spirit, with the creative spirits in others and infuse and infect and inspire that worlds to to grow from the inside out um as i say there's a link in the show notes just go to andymort.com slash humdinger and i would love to see you there so i hope this has been um yeah a kind of helpful way to think about some of this stuff in an initial way um obviously a lot of kind of theory and, and ideas thrown at you here um there's going to be a lot more space a lot more kind of experiential stuff in the workshop as well i'm going to be sharing some music and uh, we're going to be having some uh, discussions and and talking about things doing a, a few uh yeah exercise not not scary exercises i hate you know anything that is like a uh, like an icebreaker exercise we won't be doing any of that sort of stuff um, but we're going to be connecting with ourselves and, and one another in in ways that just i hope will lead to really profound and and helpful experiences. So yes, andymort.com slash humdinger. And I look forward to seeing some of you uh, there. There will be a live stream um, performance to mark the release of Razor Glass afterwards. Uh, So that's um, available on YouTube. If you sign up for the workshop, you'll have access to the replay of that. Um, Otherwise, it is available for everybody um, publicly at the time of broadcast. So Yes. Um, again, I'll, I'll pop a link in the show notes for that uh, as well. So you can um, yeah, get notified when that's starting uh, on the 20th of May at 7pm UK time. I'll give myself an hour between the workshop and, and the performance just to get set and uh, yeah, fed and watered and stuff. So yeah, really looking forward to sharing all of that. And I'm going to be uh, yeah, playing a bunch of songs from throughout my back catalogue as well during that. Um, so yeah perfect way to wind down at the end of the day for me hopefully and for you so yes let me know if you have any questions otherwise i will speak to you again soon take care bye-bye
myself I'm a million miles away But I'd rather be anywhere else You keep coming And I can tell You're the wolf in disguise At the door to my mind And I'm willing the day You can no longer find me I won't raise a glass And you're no longer Property was the only one left on the shelf. You keep bruising and you look unwell. You've lost touch with your breath, you're surrounded by mess, and I'm willing the day I can say that you left, but I won't trace it Like that. 